Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And hello there, and welcome back to Frankie Sense and More 2017. I am so glad to be back. First show of the, of the year, and I've got some amazing guests coming on. First, I want to just let you know that I my website's back. Yay! It's sort of back. It's up. It's working. I have a web presence again. I am a real person now. We will be working and tweaking, but at least we're back. If you remember, just before Christmas, my cPanel had been hacked and everything was thrown out. All four of my websites. Oh, it's, it's like horrendous. You know, I wouldn't want it to happen to anybody. It's really a violation. Up on deck today, we have Nicole Zerkan. She is the current reigning Mrs. Illinois, and she'll be speaking to us about her life and her passion to be kind, her nonprofit to end bullying. Also with us today is Lucy McMonagall, an abundance breakthrough coach who will share with us three tips on how to triumph in your life by understanding your money story. I wonder what that's all about. First, I have an update. Just before Christmas... Uh, Shivani Singh of Pathfinder left Canada to travel to the Syrian refugee camps to distribute Christmas gifts. Uh, she was making some some toys and candies, and she brought warm blankets. It's freezing over there. And here at the Good Radio, as you know, radio that does a world of good, we like to partner and support those who are changing the world, like Shivani and her partner Jessica from Pathfinder Social Enterprise. Their mission was to visit the refugee camps along the western Syrian border, uh, coming in through Lebanon. Um, but it was not without its ups and downs. They set out to raise a modest amount of money, which they did. Uh, They wanted to buy and deliver critical supplies for the children most affected by the Syrian war. And we certainly helped them with that. While the mission was simple in theory, it turned out to be far more complicated in reality. Shivani was detained for several hours in Beirut. She was uh, denied entry without just cause. She was rerouted to Cairo, where she was able to get the mission back on track. Yay. Uh, They were relieved and they had exceeded their goal by reaching over 500 children including the well-known orphans who were recently evacuated from Aleppo. And uh, more details are expected over the next few minutes. I know that she was uh, making a video documentary. There, uh, one loose end, about 75, 75 pounds of hand-wrapped gifts brought over from Canada uh, weren't distributed. So on New Year's Day, the woman she is, Shivani, decided to visit the Awaldi Orphanage in Cairo, and she distributed the goodies to their youngest children. And she said the kids' reactions was delightful. They were overjoyed, appreciative, and downright adorable. Uh, there's some pictures on their blog. You can go and look at it at pathfindersocent.com. So that's just really great news, and it really warms my heart. Let's bring on Nicole. Nicole Zwerkan is the current reigning, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, the reigning Mrs. Illinois 2016. She's a certified public speaker, member of the International Bullying Prevention Association, as well as the International Association on Workplace Bullying and Harassment. She's the developer of the app, 
Kindness Crossing Borders, uh, a founder of the nonprofit organization Be Kind, Make a Difference, which features the community outreach program, The Kindness Crew. Nicole's a graduate of the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, earning a bachelor's degree in fine arts. She also earned a degree in dental hygiene from Kennedy King and University of Illinois at Chicago College of Dentistry. She has an extensive background in dance. She was chosen as a Chicago leader for a national company that mentors young women on how to be successful, both inside and outside of the dance world. And as the reigning Mrs. Illinois International 2016, she made it her mission to break the stigma that bullying only happens to children and teens. Her message is bullying does not discriminate. And recently, having competed for Mrs. International 2016, Nicole was named first runner-up and was able to deliver her message on an international stage among 61 ladies all over the world. Wow. Uh, Nicole, first I'm going to say welcome. <laughs> That's thank a lot going so on much. in your thank life. You. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be on the show today. We're excited to have you. And I know that you have a personal story. You were a victim of bullying yourself, not only as a child, but also as an adult. So maybe you can share a little bit of your story. Sure, absolutely. So know how it all started for you. Absolutely. You know, um, I think I'm proof that bullying can happen to anyone um, at any age. So I think that the more we talk about these situations, the more we find that it's not a something that is isolated. It's something that happens to so many people. Um, I think the recent statistics say that one out of six adults are bullied um, at work, which is outstanding to me. I just It's just crazy to me that that continues to happen. Um, and, it, and yet we don't hear about it very much. Um, you know, and, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, to look at you, I mean, you're stunningly beautiful. You don't, to me, fit the profile of somebody who would be bullied. You would be like the popular girl, um, but yet the mean girls, you know, you know, and, and that's interesting. And that's interesting. And I think that's one of the things I've tried to do this year is break the stigmas that surround bullying. There is no specific person who is targeted. It can be wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, there, there are some slight differences when it comes from kid bullying to adult bullying, but um, when it comes to who is chosen to be the target of bullying, it really varies. And um, if anything, this year has really taught me that I've had doctors, successful doctors, reach out to me. I've had athletes reach out to me. I've had housewives reach out to me that they're bullied in their own communities. You know, mom shaming. It's a terrible thing. Um, so this has been a really eye-opening experience for me, um, as well as me to try to raise awareness that there is no stereotypical target of bullying. So there's no common threat. Like, I mean, I, I look at it, I, I go to a dog park every week, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. and, and at the dog park, it's usually the very, very submissive dog who gets attacked right <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. And, you now, know, you and were I shy. You said that you were shy in high school. But no, in high school, I was actually okay. I think high school oh, was a okay. great time for me. It was more grade school that I think that um, I was so interested in trying to be part of a group that I necessarily didn't belong with mm -hmm. that I think possibly that could have made me be a target. You know, that could have put me on, um, you know, you don't belong here. Why are you here? That type of thing. Um, as an adult, I think that it's really interesting. Um, you know, sometimes it's the managers, sometimes it's the bosses, not all of them, but right. you know, they'll target employees for certain specific reasons. You know, I was a new employee. Um, I think I had so much ambition. I had so much excitement. I really wanted to do well. I really wanted to be successful. And I think sometimes that could be misunderstood and, and cause you to stand out, um, to be a target, put a target on your back. And I think that in my case, personally, that is something that happened. Um, and, and, you know, the more that I hear some situations, it can be the fact that you don't necessarily share, share the same beliefs as your employers, your employees. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you have different ideas. You are maybe threatening their position. And these are things that, you know, people don't like, you know, <laughs> if, you're going, if you're going against the mold, you know, you're either going to meet some sort of, um, resistance and uh, but you were you were a new hire in a dental in a dental office sure and and your manager you know bullied you basically yeah. Yeah. and and I mean what was it do you think about okay so you were you were enthusiastic you were excited it's your first job or whatever it is right yeah but why put a target on your back was she was she like jealous of you was she, like- I think I think one of the interesting things about when we talk about adult bullies is um, that's their personality it's kind of their instinct it's their go-to it's their defense mechanism to try to bully you into submission to mm-hmm. try to one-up you to put you down or to make you feel bad about yourself uh, self in hopes that they can kind of be the superior, the alpha, if you will. Um, right. And that's something that is really interesting. And, and it's something to look out for is, you know, maybe I didn't um, know how to handle uh, a personality of that sort. And so I think it's really interesting that when you go into a workplace and you're new, um, to start to recognize different personalities of specific people and to try to work with those personalities. You know, at the end of the day, you can't change them. You can only change how you react right. to their actions. So are you, are you reacting differently then to the child bully and the adult bully? Like your message, is it the same or is it different to those two groups? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because, um, you know, there are similarities and, you know, humiliation is humiliation, no matter what age you are, no matter where you experience it, you're still feeling it. Um, it's just how you react that changes. And, And then that comes with maturity that comes with education that comes with awareness. You know, when you're younger, your whole world comes crashing down and it's really hard to put things into perspective. Um, it, it, that, that is your world. You, you see your high school group, you see your grade school group, and it's like the most terrible thing that can happen to you. And as an adult, you worry about different things. You worry about how am I going to pay my bills if I leave this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to get a great reference to it for a new job if my manager is the one that is trying to bring me down? So, you know, there are definitely um, things that you deal with outwardly and there's things that you deal inwardly um, with both children and adult bullying. Now, I mean, again, we look at you. You were a dancer with the NBA. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you went into the pageant world. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody would look at you and go, "Wow, there's somebody who got bullied." Right, right. It's I hard think, to believe, right? I, I, you know, it really it it is. Um, but and do you, you recognize would... other people? Like, do you can you recognize somebody who's been bullied? When Absolutely. You, when you, yeah, 100%. I absolutely what, what can. What are the signs um, then? I, I think that there are, you know, believe it or not, when someone who's been bullied um, at work as an adult, you have this tendency to be defensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, when I went to my new job, it was a really great atmosphere. And I still find myself being very defensive for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of residual. The effects kind of carry over with you. Just because you're out of that situation doesn't mean how you felt or what how you dealt with things just goes away. Um, so it's really interesting to try to figure out um, what their past experiences were and how you can help them flourish, you know, get past those barriers that we put up when you've been targeted. And I think for me, I have some friends that probably would never even know what I went through because I was really good at putting it on the back burner. But inside, I think it kind of made me a little bit cold. It made me put these walls up and, and helped you know, and, and kind of guarded me, if you will. I was trying to be guarded. And, and to me, those are some of the things that I see when I speak to adults is they're, they may come across a little cold, they may come across a little frigid, but I think they're just trying to protect the fact that they're actually really sensitive. Right. Yeah. And, and so 
in your role today, when you, you know you go out and about and you talk about bullying to the kids mm-hmm. and you talk about bullying to adults, um, do, do, do you do they share with their family? Like, do, did you share with your family? You know, um, I did. I shared with my mom. My mom was actually one of my biggest supporters going through this situation, and and um, I think I didn't share with my friends because I had all the, these things going for me on the outside, but in the inside, I was extremely embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I was an adult allowing this, per se, to happen to me. Um, So my mom was somebody that I really confided in. This is before my husband and um, my dad, too. And, you know, I think it's important that when you're going through these situations to talk to somebody, you find out a couple things. One, that you're not alone. And two, that you can get past this difficult time. And it's important to keep things into perspective, to focus on the good and to see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's There's, right. We are going to go to a commercial yeah. break, Nicole. I'm sorry, I okay. have to stop you. Perfect. <laughs> well, when we come back, we're going to talk to Lucy. And, and after we speak to Lucy, then we're going to, everybody's going to come back. We're going to have a free-for-all. We definitely want to hear about <laughs> life in the pageant world. Um, you know, what's it really like? And you can give us all the juicy bits. <laughs> Wonderful. Absolutely. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More. My guests today are Nicole Zricken and Lucy McMonagle. Frankie Sense and More will be right back after we pay the bills. one-third of population suffers from bad breath? Several years ago, a New York City doorman was actually suspended from work because people were complaining about his bad breath. Other words for foul-smelling breath are halitosis and ozostomia. So what are common causes of ozostomia? Coffee is a problem because it's very acidic and bacteria reproduce faster in an acid environment. Candy and gum contain sugar, which is also a problem because sugar feeds the bacteria that cause bad breath. Alcohol is another culprit. What's another name for cheap wine? Plonk, slip slop, or stinky bus. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever wondered what happens in your body when you exercise? Discovery Health explains that the muscles provide the strength, power, and endurance to do the movements and exercises. Enzymes within the muscles mobilize various fuels to provide ATP to meet the energy demands of the working muscle. The heart and the blood vessels increase the blood flow to deliver more oxygen to the working muscles. And the lungs increase the rate of breathing to deliver more oxygen to the muscle. The more often you exercise, the more conditioned you become. On the other hand, lack of training causes them to atrophy. So don't settle for being a couch potato. It's time to get your body moving. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. around we're so happy that you did uh we had a caller while we were on our break so let's just see who it is and then i'll introduce you to lucy hi good good afternoon chicago this is roseanne plot mrs iowa international and i wanted to call (laughs) and wish 
Nicole, this is Illinois International. Hello, and congratulations on a wonderful reign from her sister, yeah. Queen. Oh, Roseanne, That's really thank you nice. so much. Yes, thank you so much, Roseanne. You're amazing. That really just melted my heart. Thank you. So, Roseanne, you're being, welcome. Being Mrs. Ohio, Ohio, is that what you said? Uh, Mrs. Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, I'm sorry. I bet you people get that mixed up a lot, <laughs> especially us Canadians. Um, uh, have you ever experienced bullying? Um, you know, I did in the workplace, actually, like Nicole, uh, not so much uh, as a student. Uh, I, where I went to school, it was it was very frowned upon. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can tell you, even as an attorney, I have been bullied, especially with the gender issue. And mm-hmm. uh, matter of fact, I, I just experienced it a couple weeks ago in trial where mm-hmm. um, the male attorney was allowed unlimited time and then when it got down, it was the end of the day, and I had an important witness. The judge actually very flippantly said to me, well, do you think you can do it in 15 minutes? And uh, <laughs> that's, that's something that, and, and, and the answer was no, uh, Your Honor, right. I can't. This is an important witness. I hope you would give me as much time as you gave my um, counter counsel. But when I went in to actually lodge a complaint with court administration, they said, you're not the first one to, to come in and complain about. This particular judge? I'm sorry, that, well, yes, with that particular, the particular, particular judge or that, that issue? With that particular judge and that issue, uh, with that judge. Yeah. So it isn't, it isn't everything, and you have to be strong and, and know your rights and do it professionally and, and know the proper um, avenues. And I um, worked with Nicole, and I provided her kind of a top ten mm-hmm. list that, that yep. you can arm yourself with at work. And it it. it I mean, it knows no, knows no age, gender, or really profession, and it is out there, sure. unfortunately, and and you have to be aware of it, especially I think sometimes if you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for calling and, and for giving Nicole good wishes and joining us on Frankie Sense today. Well, and thank you for it. having me, and thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, up next, we have the Abundance Breakthrough Coach, Lucy McMonagall. And Lucy, as, as I said, um, was going to share with us her top three tips on how to triumph in your life by understanding your, your money story. And Lucy, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know why that just got me, but... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really weird. I'm so sorry. Uh, Lucy, you, you grew up in poverty. You, your life was filled with tragedy, and but you took a stand to reclaim your own personal power. And, and despite all the odds, you rose to become a top influencer as an abundance breakthrough coach and, and a speaker. And you blended your spirituality with practicality. And today you help creative women entrepreneurs manifest more money, more freedom, and more joy in their life. Now, who doesn't want that? <laughs> Tell us how you do it. Welcome. So, well, one of the main things, thank you, Frankie. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And I want to thank all of the tech people that are helping and Nicole, too. And one of the main things that I do is we really find out what is your belief system about money and how did you grow up in regards to how do you feel about money and how do you perceive money in your life? Because mm. you said that everybody has a money story, and that's what you mean by your money story, your belief system around money? Yes, everybody okay. has a money story, and a money story can be positive mm-hmm. if you worked on it, or it could be negative. Uh, a money story, as an example, is if, if you, when you were a child, if your parents fought about money, mm-hmm. 
and they didn't have money conversations with you, they didn't discuss with you why you should save or why you should do this or why you should do that, then you as a child have uh, your own conceived notions on what, what money is. So uh, let's say you're six or seven, your parents are always fighting about money, they get divorced. Right. Well, you grow up and you think, oh my God, money's going to make me lose the person I love the most. Right. Got it. Yeah. And and also, I think, um, you know, if your parents or people in your life thought that rich people were were horrible people, then you would grow up and you would think, well, you know, I don't I can't be rich because they're people think we're horrible. That kind of that kind of idea. Right. And and I know as a coach, too, that that we have these what we, we call in coaching underlying automatic commitments. And so that may even be, you know, Consciously, these people want to be rich and, and want to have lots of money, but unconsciously, they don't even know it, that they don't want it. And, and so that's you have to go and, and dig for that money story, I guess. And that's what you do. Yes, absolutely. We, we dig awesome. for the money story, and there's some really quick questions you can ask yourself and just paying attention, and all of a sudden, it'll, it'll show up real quick as soon as you start looking. Mm-hmm. So so how do, you, how do people start to think about what's my story and is it, you know, so would you look at yourself and you say, well, um, I know I want to make 50,000 or a hundred, like I know that you've got a, a, um, a course coming up, how to, ma- you know, make a hundred grand a year at least, uh, consistently. And, and so would you look and say, well, I know I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. I I'm not, you know, currently I make $20,000. I've never made a hundred thousand. What is stopping me? And what, what can I turn around in my life to allow that to flow to me? Is that kind of, what you do? That's kind of like what I do, but I really, what I do is, is I have individuals write down what was the memories that they have in regards to how their mom felt about money, how their father felt about money, or their care providers if they, they did not grow up with a mother and a father. They might have grown up with grandparents. And then to determine whether or not those belief systems that their parents had is something that they want to continue in their life. And then they have to look for circumstances on where do I keep creating this in my life? And every time you start noticing those behaviors, you stop yourself first. Mm-hmm. You pay attention to, oh, oh, I'm starting to go there. Or maybe sometimes you catch it after you've already done it. And not to beat yourself up because this is an automatic response mm-hmm. it's something that's so ingrained in you that sometimes you, you're not even noticing it until afterwards. And then from there, you tell yourself and you remind yourself, oh, that was the old me. That was the me that used to be the poor girl. That was me that used to be the, the poor boy. And now this is the new me. I am becoming the wealthy influencer I'm becoming and then you state what you choose to become. Gotcha. You know, one of my, one of my kids is, is exactly like my mom. She's a real saver. Uh, she's now 20 years old. She has like a ton of money in the bank. And so I've never had as much money as she ever had in the bank. Tell you the truth. Um, I, I, it's funny how, how the story goes, you know, because both my parents know how to make money and save money. And, and I just, I believe in, using my money 
<laughs> spending my money and just magically it will reappear. Like, it's kind of been my, my money philosophy my whole life. It's kind of strange. Um, knock on wood, it's kind of worked for me. But it, the last couple of years, it didn't. And then, uh, this is a funny story, but a friend of mine, she came up with her money frog. It was a, a feng shui money frog. And, and she said, oh, I have one of these. And ever since I got it, I started getting money. And I got one for myself at Christmas. And it's sitting on my desk. And it's facing east and away from the door. And you know what? I've been getting money ever since. Yes. Yes, I love the money frogs. I have one myself. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. I think it's I a, need one of those. You need a money frog, Nicole. Everybody needs one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's just the allowing that the belief system that, oh, money can come. You can come to me now. I'm open to you or, or what, you know, or if the feng shui is really working, but it, it seems to be working. It, it's a combination of all. Feng shui really works on the energetic level of your belief systems. And so if you can transfer your belief system into, oh, my gosh, I've got a money frog and this works for other people, so it has to work for me, mm-hmm. then, then you are starting to override your other belief systems. Right. So it's a law of attraction. You know, I mean, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that the money's coming and, and all of that. But the law of attraction really is about your belief system and energy and, and looking. And if you can't believe that it can happen to you, at least you can get to the part where I believe it can happen to other people and work your way up to it can happen to me. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. What... I love it. So, you know, my dad told me um, as a young girl, take $10 or $20, whatever you, you can and put it away put it in a bank account every single week. And that's what they did. And um, I didn't take his advice, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the one advice I did take was that a married woman should only should always have her own bank account. That advice I did take. Um, so what, what advice would you give to young people, Lucy? I, I would give to them to really get to know what money looks like. How does it feel in your hands? How does it make you feel when you hold it in your hands and you feel it in your gut? What's your gut response? And if you don't like your gut response, if you're always feeling like, oh, my gosh, money's dirty, money's disgusting, money's gross, uh, money makes you evil, then really find out where is that and see if you can transmute that because money is nothing more than an energy Mm-hmm. It's a, an exchange. It's a lot easier than growing wheat and pounding it and creating bread to sell. It's a lot easier than exchanging grains or or other devices. So it's a means of exchange so that we can have more and we can give more and we can also help other people and make an impact in the world. I mean, it could just as easily be beads and feathers and anything, yeah. right? But it happens to be money um, yeah. what we call money so exactly we, we need to have a good relationship with money and yeah. and and just it's, it's not the money itself it's the things that we want money to do for us and for others exactly and so you can if you can change how you feel about it and and reframe it in a, in a new perspective that's great advice do you do you think that um like do you do any financial advising i can do financial advising i do have the uh, training certification through SB um, Small Business Administration and FDIC for the Money Smart program. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I also was one of the helpers at school when we were teaching about money, finance, and I have a degree in financial services. Oh, wow. I am not certified as a financial services. I will not invest for you. That's not what I'm talking about. But I will be able to help you understand what's the difference between a money market and a stock market. And I can help you with the budgets and stuff, too. Awesome. We're going to a commercial break in just a moment. When we come back, um, I want to ask you, because I don't think I asked you where, I know that you grew up poor, but you know, where did your money mindset come from? So we want to talk about that. And then we want to talk about bullying. You and Nicole have that in common. We can talk about those experiences. Don't go anywhere. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids, his dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A common problem for older adults is loss of balance. The chance of mortality is much higher if you have osteoporosis and you fall and break a bone. So concentrate on exercises that build the muscles at the hip, abdomen, and back because these help maintain your balance and support your spine. Pilates, Tai Chi, and yoga are all good exercise programs to include with your cardio work because they help improve balance and flexibility and promote better awareness of the mind and body. Weight-bearing exercises, especially weight lifting, will build bone and can even help regain lost bone density. Add balance exercises to your workout now so that as you age, balance does not become an issue for you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And we're back with Frankie Sensamore. If you don't have a money frog, maybe you want to go get a feng shui money frog. I got mine on Amazon.com, but there's feng shui stores all around. You can buy them online. I'm sure you can go into a store and get one that that suits you, that resonates with you. We've been talking to Lucy McMonagle just before we went to break, and she is our abundance breakthrough coach. Lucy um, shared with us that she she was brought up – rather poor. So I wanted to ask her where her money mindset came from. How did you turn yours around? I turned my money mindset around when I was in my early 20s. It was after I gave birth to my son and he was just starting to eat um, solid foods. And I had to choose between eating crackers or feeding my baby. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I cracked. I never, ever let him go hungry. I was very, very slender back then. 
And I, I've had to find a way out. And I made a vow to myself that no matter what, I would find a way out because this is not a way I wanted to raise my son or live my life. And from there, all of a sudden, my mind started opening up. I started finding resources, teachers, mentors, and people that were able to help me. But I had to make the decision mm-hmm. that if I do not change myself, nothing will change in my environment. You know, life is very difficult for young people today. And I remember being a young mom, and I'd left my husband with three kids under under four. And um, I remember going to the to the mark market and going, okay, I've only got two bucks. So I'm going to, I bought a lottery because I knew I, I, I just knew in my head I was going to win $20 and I'd have money to buy food. And I always have that belief and it always worked out for me. So I was really lucky. I wouldn't tell other people to do that because, you know, <laughs> but you know, if you have that belief in you, that knowing, and I guess it's a premonition or whatever, um, you can do that. And, and I was really fortunate to do that, but you know, thank God I got out of that situation and, and, you know, I started to make some money, but it's um, it is difficult at times, and mothers will do anything to feed their children. And Nicole, you're a young mom, mm-hmm. you know that. Yep, you know that that will absolutely sacrifice for our kids. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. That's great. But Lucy, because you are a financial planner, and you know, I'm looking just looking at today's market. Like, the kids come out of school with with fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in debt from from college. They they can't even buy a house now without. 25% down, like that's, you know, you're looking at 50,000, 60, 70,000 down on a home. Like, where are they supposed to come up with all this money? Like, how are they supposed to get it? Well, one of the main things is, is and I wanted to make sure that people know that I'm not a financial planner. I'm an abundance coach. I, mm-hmm. I just have a financial services degree in business administration also. For the young individuals that are just coming out of college, they've got all of this debt. They the best way to move out of the debt is preferably before they are start taking on the debt mm-hmm. and see if they can find ways to go through college in order to not have to pay. Can How many scholarships can they apply for? Can they apply for college grants? Can they mm-hmm. apply for um, delayed loans? What can they do to prevent the debt in the first place or is it minimize it as much as possible? And then if you're already out of college, you've got 100000 in debt, you're looking at, you want to start a family, you can't afford a house, and maybe you're not getting the jobs that you were hoping to get from your degree, that's when you really need to look at your, your belief system about the economy and how much you're being paid and also consider doing some side jobs. What skills do you have that will empower other people? And can you start doing a little side gig, make a thousand dollars or $2,000 a month, and then stash that money away? Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part for a lot of people is, is that saving portion because, you know, well, uh, I could die tomorrow, so I should spend my money today. Like, what am I saving for that rainy day? But it really is important to have money stashed away for a rainy day, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> so, but I wasn't really good at it as as a young person. So, how, how what what portion of income do you think people should should put away? I usually suggest that they put away about ten percent of their income. They pay themselves first, 
Mm-hmm. And what I did when I was younger is every time I received a raise for working, I would take all of that money from my raise and I would put it in savings, which I turned into the stock market. Mm-hmm. And that once once you have a hundred thousand invested, that's when you start gaining a lot of momentum. Right. And when you have a million dollars invested properly and it's allocated properly, that gives you a six-figure income right there. What's the highest paying? What's the highest paying thing that you could put your money into? Do you know? Well, right now, things are a lot, um, things are pretty unstable right now. Right, yeah. The best way to do is, is make sure you work with somebody who is able to have a good track record, and they can tell you, where your age is right now depends on what you invest in. So mm-hmm. if you're getting close to retirement, you're you're not going to be in the stock market. You're going to be in a safer, more conservative means of investing. If you're younger and you're going to be retiring in 40, 50 years, then you have more flexibility. So it really depends on where you're at. Right. Yeah. And, that makes but, sense. Yeah. What, what your, um, what your risk um, adversion is. If mm-hmm. you have high risk aversion, then you might not want to be in the stock market because the stock market is like a roller coaster. If you look at the stock market every day and if you follow the Dow Jones and and you get panicky, that's not a good place to invest your money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can understand that. I'm the, I'm the person that goes to Vegas and just you know, expects to win. <laughs> just before I left Vegas, I went, oh, wait, I just, I, I lost some money. I need to go make some money before I go home. And I did it. And it was like crazy. But, you know, that, that I, can you tell I'm a high risk person? <laughs> yeah. Not, the stock, not very good. Yeah. Stock market wouldn't, wouldn't be that bad for you as yeah. long as you don't look at it every single month. And even when, you are in the stock market. If it's going to be over a five to ten year period, preferably ten years, usually you you get more than enough. And on average, if you invest about fifteen years, if it's allocated properly and your portfolio is rebalanced accordingly, then you usually average about seven to eight percent for um, return. Okay, so that that's considered good, seven or eight percent. These days, yes. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the 90s, 13, 14, 15% was really good. When Reagan was in, um, you could get a CD, which was through the banks, and totally insured, and you would get 23%. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome, but the, uh, the mortgages were at... That's true. They were really high. Percent. Yeah. So- I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Nicole, does it cost a lot of money to go, to get into um, pageantry? You know, it can. It, it definitely can. Um, I mean, this your dresses. Like, but like yeah. to, to actually like say, okay, I'm going to sign up and be and be part of your pageant. Do they sure. charge you? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's an entry fee, just like any other sport or activity. You know, you you pay your entry fee. Um, you know, and different pageant systems have different prizes. Some of them being money. Um, if you're younger, some of them being scholarship money. Um, you know, that's why it's wonderful because there's so many sponsorships. There's so many opportunities to make partnerships to help you pay for some of these pageants or 
clothing, you know, um, most organizations have a nationals week and, you know, that can get expensive. You're, you're clothing yourself for a week or two. Um, you know, so yeah, absolutely. It can definitely get expensive, but there are definitely ways to, um, to offset that. Exactly. Nice. So how did you decide or did somebody decide for you said, Hey, you know what? You should, you should enter (laughs) Mrs. Illinois. You know, it's really funny. I, um, when I used to dance on the levels, which is a a Chicago Bulls cheerleading, I had a couple girls who were back to back Miss Illinois USA. Ah. And I always thought that was so cool. And the things that they were doing and the lives that they were touching was really impressive to me. So it kind of was always in the back of my head, but I never was involved in pageantry younger. Um, this actually was my first experience with pageantry as a Mrs. Wow. Um, um, yeah, you know, so I, I researched some pageant systems and I came across the international pageant system, um, which is a system that places a very large emphasis on platform. So mm-hmm. each woman competing is able to promote a cause that she's really passionate about, you know, everything from agriculture um, to postpartum depression. Um, and that was really important to me. And that really helped me um, develop the work that I'm doing today and um, really helped me develop um, that that feeling of being part of something bigger than yourself. Right. Yeah. So Lucy, did you ever, have you ever, you know, thought about when you're watching those pageants, like where do these girls come from? Like what, who are they and why are they doing what they're doing? (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually never thought about who they are, where they're coming from. I, I'm always amazed at, at how incredible they are able to, walk on the, the, the stage and the poise and in the poise and, and the proper mechanics using their body mechanically beautifully and gracefully yeah. and, 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 and you sit there and you go how come they got to be so lucky and so beautiful <laughs> and so talented <laughs> you know you i have to be out? honest for for most of us it's not a natural thing there's a lot of practice and hard work that goes into that you know just like any sport or activity you know the more sure. you practice the better you are so it's it's been a really great learning experience that's for sure what did your husband think uh you know my husband is amazing he's really supportive of me and my endeavors um he thinks, you know, a happy wife, happy life. I think that's yeah. his motto. Um, so he was really excited, you know, to for me to take this on. I'm not exactly sure that we thought when we were going into it that I would be successful in pageantry. I right. think that we thought this would be a great stepping stone for, stone for what my ultimate plan and goal is. So I think we've been really pleasantly su- surprised and extremely blessed this year. And what is the ultimate goal now that you open that door? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I really would love to grow my organization. Okay, um, the Be Kind one? The Be Kind Make a Difference, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hopefully, um, you know, I have a book that I just started writing and I want to finish that by summer. And I hopefully want to inspire people who want to make a difference in their communities. And I think that's where it all starts is volunteerism. You know, you don't have to have money to put in time. You don't have to have money to do good. And um, ultimately that is my goal is to raise awareness that way and to continue on with the work that this pageant really got me started with and really got the ball rolling. Um, So I have that to thank for it. That's wonderful. Um, We're going to go to a commercial break in in just a little bit. And when I come back, I want to talk to both of you again about bullying. And Lucy, maybe you can share your, your, your bullying story with us and, um, and how, how, you know, that came about Um, and, and how it changed your life and what you're doing, you know, forward with it. And um, just curious, did, did, did you ever get in touch with Gabby? Did she ever, did you guys hook up ever, Nicole? Um, Gabby? Yeah. No, um, you know, I reached out to her, but I haven't heard back yet. 
Okay, great. I'm sure that you will. I thought I saw a note from her to you. So oh, great. You know what? I did. I did. I'm sorry. I did get that note. Yes. So we're kind of uh, playing. I think we have a phone conversation coming up in the next week. Okay. Right back after we pay the bills. It's marching fairs offer wonderfully wild and wacky summer foods. From chicken fried bacon in Texas to Minnesota spaghetti and meatballs on a stick. There is something about dining at the fair that can make anyone an opsomaniac or a person who is driven to the point of madness by food. State fairs are famous for their loverwort or food with no nutritional value. The California State Fair boasts fried Krispy Kreme chicken sandwiches. That's fried chicken and Swiss cheese tucked into a Krispy Kreme donut served with a side of honey sauce. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef, covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? Ma Wella. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Ignoring joint pain will not make it go away, nor will avoiding motions that are uncomfortable and spark discomfort. Harvard Medical School states that the secret to joint pain relief is exercise. Doing the right exercises on a continuous basis can relieve pain and might even permit you to postpone or avoid surgery on a problem joint. But the benefits don't stop there. Being active sharpens your mind and benefits your heart. Harvard says that it nudges your blood pressure down and your morale up, eases stress, and shaves off unwanted pounds. But most importantly, it lessens your risk of dying prematurely. So what are you waiting for? Exercise helps relieve joint pain and so much more. Pain-free movement and a fabulous quality of life await you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. And we're back to Frankie Sensamore. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Before we went to break, I think I put Nicole on the spot. Uh, I mentioned <laughs> Gabby. Who is Gabby? Gabrielle, Gabriella Von Ray. And Gabriella, if you remember, has been on the show several times. She is the queen of kindness, and she is the one who says that we have dropped. Humanity has dropped the ball of kindness, and we need to pick yes. it up. So. Yes. That's who she is, and I didn't want to leave you with that random thought. And I did uh, want to mention that Lucy McMonagle has a new book coming out, uh, probably by May, and it's uh, Magical Money Manifestation. And is there anything you want to say about that book, Lucy? Absolutely. Um, the Magical Money Manifestation is a practical guide to help you bridge your spirituality with practicality so that you can have more money, more freedom, and more joy in your life. And it gives you the step-by-steps that I took to break through my negative mindset story and my money story to make it positive and to have life flow for me. Nice. That's great. What's your website, Lucy? My website is lucymcmonicle.com. That's L-U-C-I-M-C-M-O-N. A-G-L-E dot com. And Nicole, you may as well give yours as well. Sure. Um, I My website is um, BeKindMakeADifference.com. 
Nice. BeKindMakeADifference.com. Yeah. So before we went, I said, you know, I've said it a couple of times now, Lucy, but we want you to share your story. And it's great timing because, like you said, with your book coming up, how you overcame some, you know, tragic stuff and how you overcame your money mindset. So tell us, when did the bullying start for you? Oh, my gosh. The bullying started... Um when I was just a, a, a child in school, grade school, mm. um, my mom had to move to several different schools. And every time I went to a new school, you know, the kids were like, oh, who's this new kid on the block? And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, she's kind of funny. She's got this curly blonde hair and she looks like Miss Beasley. Um, if you were old enough, you might remember Buffy and Jody. From- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I looked like Miss Beasley. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the bullying started back in, in grade school, and uh, a lot of it continued uh, kind of through high school. And as an adult, I've had employers who would bully me. In um, my last position, I my employer's wife was the bully. Mm-hmm. And, really? Yeah. And so how did you handle that? How do you handle bullies? Um, now I basically tell them, you know, I'm sorry, but that behavior is not acceptable to me. And, and I point them out why mm-hmm. I mean, I do it in a very kind manner. I don't say, Ur. um, I just let them know, Hey, you know, that really hurt my feelings and this is why. And, and I, I try to work through it with them if they're workable, because sometimes people are not even aware that they're being bullied. Right. They're being there. I mean, they're or being bullied. a bully. Yeah, they're being a bully. So it, it's really about you putting up, setting your boundaries about oh, yes. what, what behavior is acceptable and what's not, mm-hmm. what you're going to tolerate and what you won't, and yes. and how you expect people to um, to act around you. Mm-hmm. That's yes. good. We yeah. all need to do that. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, Brie, I, I, earlier you had asked me, you know, what causes somebody to be a target of bullying. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it is sometimes those really nice people. It is really those people that they know they're not going to get a roar out of, you know, that they know that they can keep poking with a stick because they're not going to really get that um, big, huge, dramatic response, but they're just feeling good about themselves that they can continue to keep poking. But, um, and you know, and like she said, it's so important to set those boundaries. And for some of us, it's hard to do, you know, you feel feel silly setting boundaries for your own, you know, how you want to be treated. And that's something that we all need to get over. You know, it's funny. Um, we and we do it, and we don't even know we're doing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like um, my daughter-in-law is very, very skinny, mm-hmm. and you know, sure, lots of overweight people get bullied and and laughed at. But she gets, she feels like she gets bullied all the time because why don't you sure. eat? Why don't you yes. eat more? Why don't you? Oh, and she eats yeah. a ton of food. It goes just, both ways. Yeah, she can't eat, gain weight, and and so she. You know, I've seen her in tears before uh, because people go, God, my God, you're so skinny, you know, and and so it does go both ways. And and they're well-meaning and they're not trying to be mean by it, Mm -hmm. you know, but I guess after you hear it so many times, it's like you're so sensitive to it that it becomes, it, it feels like bullying. And that, and that's so true. It's, you know, it's those things that we kind of have that are, we're sensitive to maybe, you know, we were called like flamingo legs when you were growing up, things like that. So, you know, those never go away. And then when you're in an adult and someone says, oh gosh, you should eat a cheeseburger. You take offense to that a little bit. And maybe they, like you said, maybe they don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you know, comments like that kind of, you know, they do, they sting a little bit. So sometimes you need to be like, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but those comments really bother me in a joking manner. You know, you don't have to get serious with that. 
them. And, and that kind of puts them in their place a little bit and lets them know where your boundaries are. Yeah. Um, have you ever told somebody that they're being a bully and they were like shocked that they really didn't know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and this is me personally, you know, telling a story. I've been in charge of a lot of dance teams. I've been a captain mm-hmm. for a really long time. And my husband and I, I were just talking about this. And my husband asked me, do you ever think you were a bully? Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting to me because, um, I do, I do definitely think that I was a bit harsh. I was more concerned with being, having a perfect team, having a perfect squad, having the perfect girls out on there that I would maybe say things not in the most tactful way. And that would probably hurt some people's feelings. And I never meant it personally. But now looking back, I think there are so many things I could have done differently, um, Mm -hmm. having done being done to me. Um, But there are definitely times where I come across and like, you know, the way you're saying that is not, uh, you know, I I think there are other ways that you can get your point across by the way that you're saying that. And and most of the times if they are true bullies, they will they will be. they'll, they'll start with you. You know, they'll take a offense to that instead of being like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize it. They'll be like, no, I didn't. No, I'm not. You know, um, they're not going to come right forward and say, you're right. I'm being a bully. I will change. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. <laughs> do you think, you know, like with shows like mean girls and, and, and things like that, do you think that the lack of, um, I'm going to say manners. Like, you know, when I was growing up, and I guess, Lucy, you're probably similar age group then, if, if you remember Mrs. Beasley. Uh, manners were very important, and we were taught manners. and But we're not taught manners today. And I know that, that unless, as a parent, you teach your child manners, um, they're not going to get it in school. They're not going to get it anywhere. Um, even just, you know, being polite. And, uh, I mean, we went from thank you to having to stand up when somebody came in a room to standing up, you know, can I clear a table? All of these, you know, finesse little things that, you know, went on, let's say charm school or whatever you want to call it. Um, but manners aren't aren't taught today. And it's so evident when you, you know, watch TV or you talk to some young people, they, it's, it doesn't enter their brain to, to even say thank you. I mean, we had to write a thank you note if somebody gave us something. Um, it wasn't just say thank you. It was, you know, you had to sit down and do that. So do you think that not thinking about manners promotes some of this behavior? I think that's a really interesting point. I think you brought up a few good points. One, I think that these are um, things that are learned at home by your parents. I think that you're either taught these things or you're not. It's not like you just pick it up at school. Unfortunately, the kids kind of pick up, um, you know, the bad right. habits at school. I wish they would pick up the other things. And I also think it comes to comes down to teaching your young children about empathy and kindness. Mm-hmm. And to treat people the way you want to be treated, um, to show appreciation for people that you truly appreciate. Um, and I think that those are things that sometimes we miss these days because we're so caught up on being academically successful. We're so caught up on being head of the class. We're so caught up on preparing them for college that we jump right over um, the things that make successful people um likable and caring and empathetic. And, and mm-hmm. it's, it's something so simple as teaching people to be kind to one another. So simple. what do you think, Lucy? I have to agree with that. And it is really as simple as teaching individuals how to treat other people and to be kind with one another. And I do agree that a lot of the mannerisms that we learned are, they're no longer prevalent these days. Mm-hmm. Like, people just say what they think. 
Like there's yeah. no filter. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that is very true. That is absolutely true. And, and, and in a way, that's great. You know, I, we, we should be able to speak our minds and what we want to say, but there's a way to go about it. And I think it's, you're right. Exactly. You know, yeah. There's a time and a place and there's a way to say it, like you sure. said. Sure. Um, you know, even though you're thinking it, yeah, you might not want to say it. Right. So. And it comes down to respect. You know, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, would, I always go back to this and, and you know, it's, it's, I'm not perfect. You know, I have to remind myself to, would you want someone to say that to you? You know, and, right. and those are things that I constantly have going in my head just to be sensitive to people's boundaries because everyone's like, are different. Talk about finances. I know so many girls, especially girls my age, um, who thought that they were dumb and couldn't mm. do math only because oh. it was a math teacher in school who said, you know, oh, you're too stupid. You know, that's really funny that you say that. Um, That's actually a personal experience that I had that I'm actually talking about is in fourth grade, I had a really hard time learning math. It was like almost like a different language to me. And um, I'd always been involved in extracurricular activities. And just this particular day, we got to wear our cheerleading uniforms to school to celebrate homecoming, something so silly. Um, But I couldn't get the problem at the board and I was humiliated. I, you know, looked over to the teacher for help and I said, you know, this is so-and-so, I just don't know it. And I was crying and she Mm -hmm. kind of shunned me off and said, well, maybe next time when you come to school, you'll bring your brain instead of your cheerleading uniform, go sit down. Yeah, that's pretty rude. Oh, the whole class erupted into laughter. And I'll never forget that. I'll never, ever, ever forget that. And I'm not saying that is the reason for my problems with math. No, no. But, you know, but they are. And and, and so this block goes up. And then as an adult, you look at it again, you go, I'm not stupid. I can do this. Nobody just show me how to do it properly. That's all. Exactly. You know, and and, and it's one of those things that you're like, well, I never volunteered again out of the fear of being humiliated like that again. Yeah. Well, we've got two minutes left in the show. Let me just thank both of you for being guests today. It's it's really um, wonderful to have you be in the inaugural 2017 show. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having us. This was wonderful. I hope that everybody will go and visit Lucy's site and Nicole's website. Uh, There's nothing, you know, we want to be kind and we want to make money. And who doesn't want more joy in their life and uh, more money in their life? That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. I can tell, you can tell just by listening to Lucy, uh, her manner, uh, she, she's probably a wonderful teacher and her story is going to resonate with so many people that, you know, go out and find your own, listen, you know, figure out your own money story and why, why wouldn't you want to be successful? We all want to be successful in whatever we do. Nicole, I wish you all the best with your Be Kind campaign and, um, I, I really do hope that you're able to reach a ton more people. And congratulations on your win in 2016 for Mrs. Illinois. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's Thank really you. great. Uh, it, it's wonderful. Everybody who's, you know, you're listening today, thanks again for tuning in. I hope we'll see you again next week. I know that we will because you guys are great. And uh, I don't know who our guest is going to be, but they're going to be amazing. Don't worry. <laughs> Talk to you. And thank you, Ben. Thanks for being our our tech today.